Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Afram Pristine, the maitre fromager or cheese master at Toronto's iconic gourmet food emporium, Cheese Boutique. If anyone knows cheese, it's Afram, as he has studied every nuance of making and finding the best cheeses from around the world and bringing them to his business empire located in the West End's Swansea neighborhood. Afram builds on a more than 50-year family legacy of transforming something good into something great, and he shares his food philosophies through both his national best-selling cookbook, For the Love of Cheese, and his Food Network Canada show, Cheese, A Love Story. This man loves cheese. Welcome, Afram, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Yeah, uh, I'm good. Thank you very much for the intro. Um, right now, I'm at my house because this is the best Wi-Fi I can find. We don't have the best Wi-Fi at the store, but I live right beside the store, so it wasn't an issue. But um, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you seeking out the best connection. We're going to have a good chat. No problem. How is business these days in this post-pandemic era? Uh, business is good. I mean, it has been for the last couple of years. I mean, uh, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to, we were always open. We followed every mandate, I mean, kind of given upon us, but, uh, you know, we've had a very successful couple of years. Um, with that said, it's been very difficult, um, to operate on, I, I mean, at a regular level, which I don't know what that means anymore, if that's pre-COVID or after, who knows? Um, but, you know, a lot of things have changed, right? I mean, uh, you know, operating costs have gone through the roof and and delivery and freight costs and all that fun stuff. Um, it, look, we've been very lucky to be busy, but it's been difficult, right? Like, we're we're. we're over 50 years, and I'd like to think we know what we're doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's all new now, right? Like, it's all new. It's all constantly changing. And you've heard everything, right? You pivot is the word that, you know, if, if, if I had five cents for every time I heard pivot or adapt or evolve. But the reality is you had to, as any business owner, whether you're selling food or shoes or whatever, I'm cars, we're living in a new reality, right? So I think that's, um, that's been difficult, but you know, we're busy and I knock on wood and I'm very blessed. Fabulous. And it just shows you, you know, even after, as you say, more than 50 years, this was something nobody has experienced before. And you had to, for lack of a better word, pivot to adapt to it. But Afram, you got big breaking news this week. You are apparently now in the wine business. Yeah, yeah. I like to wear many different hats. So um, I've always, uh, I, I enjoy wine. Um, and, you know, with what I do, I mean, selling good food and good cheese, you know, wine is goes with that, like peanut butter and jelly, you know. And I have a lot of relationships with many different winemakers all over the world. I mean, we're colleagues because we're doing the same thing and providing really cool products for, for clients. So I approached, I don't even know how it started, if they approached me or I approached them, but Stratus Winery in Niagara-on-the-Lake, I think is one of the best wineries in Canada. Um, I have a very, very long-standing relationship with them for, I want to say, close to 20 years. I've been doing events there like on, on a yearly basis. Uh, they get all their cheese from us, and we just have a really good 
working relationship with uh, uh, with them and this whole kind of project <clears throat> of me wanting to have my own wine i think i did, i think i was the one who actually approached them and they jumped right on it and they said absolutely after it's a no-brainer and uh, you know from every step of you know stomping the grapes and selecting the grapes and selecting the varietal that i wanted and all of it from a to z i was involved in because that's kind of my style i'm I'm a slight control freak, so I like to be involved. I like to know what's going on. And I wanted a wine to pair and showcase my food very well. And, you know, what I focus on, I mean, my culinary background beyond just the whole cheese part of me is very Mediterranean. And, and, you know, that was my upbringing. And so I wanted a wine to go with, you know, that style of food. And obviously cheeses, cured meats and salamis and sausages and all that is very Mediterranean. But then, you know, salads and like cheese focused salads, buffalo mozzarella, burrata, like those kinds of food. This wine is perfect for. So it's, um, yeah, I am very proud of it. And, you know, uh, my goal in life was always to have my name on a bottle of wine. <clears throat> so we called it, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Pristine Cuvée. Uh, and it's a 2019 Cabernet Franc. And Cabernet Franc is also very synonymous with Ontario wines, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a great varietal. We do very well. Um, so I wanted to kind of also have the wine being just very representative of the wine terroir here in Ontario. So as much as I wanted it to pair with my food, I also wanted it to be very, you know, stratus driven and, and very Ontario, like uh, wine driven. And um, it was great. We launched it this past Saturday, which happened to be National Cheese Day. So we felt it very fitting. What a happy and coincidence. It was great. It worked out very well, Andrew. And we sold uh, 200 bottles at the store in like two hours, which was amazing. And, and another kind of uh, fun part to this wine is... I have many different dairies in Ontario making cheeses exclusively for us based on my recipe. This is something we've always done. I think a lot of our customers know that. And so I took uh, an Ontario three-year cheddar and and I've soaked it and aged it in my wine. So it's kind of like, you know, the cheese and the wine world come together to make this one like beautiful, like synergy of a product and the whole idea is you know to have the cheese with the wine and like they play off of each other beautifully it's actually one of the things i'm most proud of this cheese is pretty i was gonna swear there but i won't uh it's pretty amazing it's pretty amazing um and yeah that was a new project and you know that's funny you know like how you introduced me it was i'm a winemaker now and you know uh, I kind of like that. I like, I like learning about food and, you know, I know a lot, but at at the same time, I'm constantly learning every day. I think that's the fun part about my job and whether it's through traveling abroad or just driving down to Niagara, I mean, I'm always learning about something. So it was, uh, I will get you a bottle. I'll get you a bottle, but it's available. It's available at Stratus uh, online and in their bottle shop for now. Um, we aren't licensed yet to sell alcohol. We had like a special permit to do it last weekend, but we are looking like we're working on getting a license. So we'll be selling it too. And I know uh, the LCBOs will like, it's just happening slowly. So yeah, yeah, I'm already working on the next vintage. So it's great. 
Well, it's fabulous. You always have something new going on. You're always expanding your empire. But at this stage, Afrim, with your permission, let's go all the way back and get your story, which I sense will be closely intertwined with the Cheese Boutique story. Where were you born? And tell us about your upbringing. Yeah, they're very much intertwined. Um, So I was born at St. Joseph's Hospital in Toronto just here in the West end and kind of my entire life has revolved within like a kilometer of that hospital, whether where I went to school or where I lived or where I work, obviously, like I've only worked at cheese boutique my whole life. This is my personal 25th full-time year, uh, a working and, you know, the store, uh, on June 24th actually will be 52. Wow. Uh, so, I was born at St. Joe's. Um, then we did very, very briefly. Uh, my family moved to Etobicoke, like a little further west, uh, just for a few years. And then I, we kind of moved back into the area, like Blue West Village, because our old location was in the heart of Blue West Village for 30 years. So this, um, right this was in dating between, back to uh, Jane, Jane and Runnymede. 1970, yeah, Runnymede, okay. Yeah. Yes, so Jane and Runnymede, or excuse me, Blue and Runnymede area, right in the heart center blue west village so we were there from 1970 to 2000 and then we've been at our new location i mean i call it new but it's 22 years old (laughs) for 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 the last 22 years and um and then i've traveled like uh, i'm 43 now i had to think about that yeah Uh, turning 43 but uh, uh, you know in my 20s that's where i i kind of jumped on a plane and went to europe and learned under the best chefs uh in the world the best cheesemakers in the world i i've had i'm blessed to have had those opportunities and have just a really deep pedigree into like what food is and what good food is uh i probably spent three years of my 20s in different parts of europe like all over switzerland france italy england germany belgium um holland all over and uh learning right like learning my craft because at that time uh, yes, you could go to cooking school, um, and but you couldn't go to like a cheese school. There's no such thing. Mm-hmm. Now there is. I mean, there, there, there's a few different uh, collegiate levels where you can get a diploma. George Brown College is one of them. There's a few in the States. There's a handful in North America. But I learned, I, I you know, I call it the school of hard knocks. So uh, for me, it's learning with the best and learning through experiences. Sure. And, and, you know, but like working at the cheese boutique, I I was a kid, like when I was 10, I was doing something. Yeah. You'd you'd come home from school and, or, you know, immediately be jumping in always. involved. Yeah. 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 And I have three other brothers and uh, we all, it was, that was kind of our upbringing. And I, you know, I learned early Andrew that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees uh, you know, we're immigrants. So uh, we came here to Canada with nothing and, uh, you know, started a business, which we literally had no right in opening. I mean, my dad studied political science and my mother taught Latin and they opened up a cheese store. Like that's literally how it went. And, and they did that um, to, uh, for, for one very, very simple reason to provide for their family. Like that is literally it. They didn't think they were, you know, we were going to have a TV show or cookbooks. That was like not even a pipe dream at the time. They needed to put food on their table. Like that was 
the only reason why Cheese Boutique was created. And, you know, we evolved and we evolved and we grew and we grew and, uh, you know, it got busy and, you know, now we're here. And, <laughs> you know, now there's a lot of, you know, we're busy and it's, um, but, but like it's, we're grassroots, Andrew, we're old school. And, you know, um, we ultimately, I mean, my eldest brother and I, who's my business partner and we run the store for, uh, you know, decades um we ultimately i mean our goal is to give good product and good service because that is really timeless right like that's sure. really all people want good value good uh, uh, selling a piece of cheese with a smile on your face like that's who we are that's who we were 50 years ago and that's yep. kind of who we are now um and yeah, that's kind of, I mean, cheese boutique in a nutshell for you. Well, those are the basics of business. Good product, right, right. good yeah, service, yeah. good value. Yeah. But let's talk about your family history. You've got three yeah. generations spanning more than 50 years. You're now prepping for Four. a fourth generation. No, no, as no, I no. The, fourth, the yeah. fourth is working very wow, much. Wow, you already. <laughs> so yeah. your yeah, father yeah. and grandfather came from yeah. Albania, and, yeah. and your mother was from Naples, Italy. Why did they choose Toronto? Um, it's a good question. So it's a very deep kind of rich history and, uh, uh, Toronto life actually just wrote a very nice article on us kind of really like spanning 50 years and kind of where we came from and how we grew. They did a great job. Um, so I'll give you a, like a bit of that history in a couple of minutes, but, uh, so, so my dad and grandfather, they were born in Albania, but uh, you know, when my dad was born, it was the wartime and it was the second world war. And you know, they, that part of Europe was a bit of a, a bit of a gong show. Um, so they left, I mean, they had to leave because everyone was leaving and then they moved. And my dad was young. He was like two or three and he moved and they moved to Turkey because they had family there. And I technically, I mean, I don't have Turkish is blood in me, but we have a lot of family there for that reason, because they left Albania after, during the war to hide, I mean, right, like to hide or to start a new life of some sort. And uh, I mean, from Turkey, they went to Italy and France and Belgium and Germany. Like they were, I call my family European hippies because that's kind of what they were. And they just kind of traveled and learned and absorbed the culture and ate well and never had money, but worked wherever they could. Like my dad speaks six different languages fluently. He he's more Canadian wow. than all of us. And and my mom is like born and bred in Naples. So my dad met my mom at school at the University of Naples. And um you know, they got married. And that's kind of when my dad's family was like, you know, there's this place called Canada at the other side of the world. I have friends there and they were there was a big like immig um, immigration of Albanians and Italians to New York and Toronto, like at that time in the sixties ish, mid sixties. And, you know, with literally nothing like, you know, $500 Canadian, maybe uh, they jumped on the boat and they took whatever they had and they went to Canada and they were supposed to go to Montreal and live it and start a new life in Montreal. 
um, because Montreal as well, like had that big immigration. I, sorry, I, I missed that part. So there was a massive snowstorm that day that they were coming over and they had to stop in Toronto and said, well, I mean, we, we can't go any further. Uh, let's just start here. And they rented a place in um, north of kind of junction area, okay, of the city, west, like j- just north of Blue West Village. Um, and, and, and they got a cheap rent there. And it was my mom, my dad, my dad's three siblings, and my grandparents. So six to seven of them. And this, you know, two two-bedroom kind of split-up apartment, you know, of a detached home. There's quite a few of them still there. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad's first job, along with my grandfather, was um, a a shipper receiver for Ponderosa Steakhouse. Remember Ponderosa Steakhouse? I love Ponderosa Steakhouse. Yeah. Yeah, Story's getting better by the minute. Yeah. So, So, you know, these are very educated people smart people just earning money. I mean, however they can. Um, And, you know, one thing led to another and, and they, and that's where they worked for a couple of years. Uh, My mom got a teaching job, uh, teaching Italian at a a school here. I can't remember where. And then um, I think in Woodbridge actually. And then there was a lease or, or there was a space for lease in the heart of Blue West Village. And on this strip at the time, it was very Eastern European, like, like very, a lot of uh, German, Ukrainian, Polish, uh, just, it was that kind of community. And there was a butcher and a baker and a shoemaker and, you know, those little mom and pop, like small independent, like, like just uh, immigrant run, like little stores. And there was no cheese store. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not knowing anything about business or, or or cheese frankly other than they like to eat it they opened up a cheese shop out of necessity because they felt that the neighborhood needed it hmm. that's 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 how cheese boutique was started just because you know why not like let's sell cheese like my dad in the first few years toronto was also like just not known for cheese stores hmm. and but montreal was and, you know, Montreal with that French influence made sense. So my dad would have to drive to Montreal to pick up, uh, you know, cheeses like Brie de Meaux or uh, Parmigiano Reggiano, Stilton, those like European classics that you can find everywhere now, right? Costco, Walmart, everywhere sells those. Yep. But at the time, nobody was. And furthermore, it was never getting imported into Toronto. It would always go to Montreal and then somehow get distributed from there and you know my dad to, to save shipping costs would drive and with 200 dollars cash and pick up whatever he could with that and sell it at, at the store like that was it my dad sold things like or cheese boutique uh like the first few years sold things like perrier water but perrier water was fancy water yeah. with bubbles from france they sold cigarettes and everyone was smoking so that was very easy income they uh, they sold like two different breads, like sausages, and it just grew, right? So selling those like cigarettes and Perrier water brought in money so they can expand the cheese program. And we were always called the Cheese Boutique, but, you know, at the time, it was, you know, eight cheeses 
on a cheese counter, but that was rare uh, at in Toronto at the time. So it was that's kind of how it started, and that's really how it grew. And through blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, uh, my my family are the hardest working people I've ever met in my life, and, and you know that no days off, and they built something. I mean, I always get asked, did your father ever envision or grandfather ever envision like the growth of where we are now? I mean, I, I, I think I speak for my father and say, there's no chance. Like there's, there's no way they always wanted to build this to, to, you know, introduce it to their kids if they wanted it. Mm -hmm. Right. That wasn't like, we weren't forced into it. We just organically grew to love it. So it's, um, uh, the growth has been, yeah, a little crazy. I mean, you know, we have, we don't have investors. We never have had investors. It started on a $500 loan from the bank of Canada. Wow. Like, and, and, you know, that, and all for a snowstorm really, yeah, and all that you ended snowstorm. up here yeah, rather true. than the store could have been out in Montreal. Yes. It, yes. It's incredible. And, and as a proud Torontonian, I mean, now I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm, <laughs> hey. I, I'm thrilled of how it worked out. And I, I love Montreal, but, you know, th this is my home, right? Like, this is where uh, my family, uh, you know, left everything, which wasn't a lot, to come here. And, and you know, that's, I said it to you before. I, I, you know, my parents, who are Canadian citizens, of course, are, 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 would say they're Canadian before they're anything else. Mm -hmm. I just happened to be born here. I, that's just kind of how I, I, I'm just happy. My dad's more Canadian than I am because the way I see it, and that's kind of the best part about Canada and, and Toronto, we are people from everywhere. Right. And I think, I think that's the coolest part is, uh, I, I, you know, all these chefs, these amazing chefs we have, whether they're abroad or not, they've, they, they've learned abroad and they've trained abroad and that's where you really learn. Right. And understand yeah. the business. And then you come here with that knowledge and then you're using like uh, Canadian bounty and like the beautiful bounty we have from East coast to West, whether it's produce or cheese or beef or whatever, like Canada is amazing in that aspect. And, you know, it bothers me when people say that Canada doesn't have terroir, right? Like we don't have our own, uh, you know, uh, food culture. We totally have our own food culture. Our food culture is a blend of, hundreds of different cultures. I think that is our food culture. I think that's kind of the, the, the cool part about Toronto is you, you can be in two different little Italy's. You can go to the Jamaican like strip on Eglinton. You can go to Markham and eat like some of the best, like a, uh, Asian a, Indian food on the planet, like uh, Greek town and, you know, little Portugal, like where, how many cities can you really do that? And, you know, like London and, you know, New York for sure. But like even like Rome and Paris, like they're very Italian and they're very French and for good reason. I just think Toronto, that's that's who our culture is. I think that's so exciting, especially for food. You can eat 10 different cuisines in a day just by driving around little neighborhoods. How cool is that? I think it's a great common acronym, and I think Canada is known for its diversity of its people and its food, Toronto even more so. And yeah. one of your missions is to spread that word, and I can see your passion about it. And two of the projects that you used to spread the word was your book, 
and your show. Let's talk first about the book, 2018 National yeah. Bestselling Cookbook for the Love of Cheese, Recipes and Wisdom from the Cheese Boutique. This was a cookbook. How did this project come about? Um, it's funny. So uh, the the publisher, um, Penguin Random House, uh, you know, they're the biggest in the world. They approached me, I want to say in 2016 or so. And they said, look, like we'd love uh, for you. And that's rare, right? Like it's, it's, it's very rare for, uh, you know, the publisher to go to someone. It happens the other way. And, you know, chefs and authors or, or, or whoever, whether it's a cookbook or not, I mean, you, uh, you write a proposal and, and you send it in and they get hundreds of thousands of different proposals of any style of book. So they approached me and, and they said, look, like we really think you're in the right time in your life and career to write a book. A, a cookbook, a cheese focused cookbook. And I said, like, I'll never forget, like, I'm in, I, you know, my apron, I'm wearing my apron right now. Okay. That's how much I work, but I'm yeah. like, I was, I'm wearing my apron. I'm in this meeting with like, you know, a bunch of suits and, um, and they said like, look, like we really want you to write this book. And I'm like, I, I, and I said this verbatim, I'll never forget it. And I said, just so you know, I failed grade nine English and I almost got kicked out of high school. Are you sure you want me to write this book? And they said, don't worry about that, Afrim. We'll help you with that. You, We want your voice in this cookbook. And I said, okay. I mean, I'll give it a go. I'd never written anything like that. I was never a studious person, okay? I was never a bad kid in school, but I'd rather play sports or, you know, work uh, you know, at the store or just, I was never, I was never in the reading and writing. Where's okay. your primary focus? And, um, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I started writing this book and like, yeah, and it became a hit and it's, um, it's a really, I wrote the entire thing myself. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's, um, it's very much my, my tone and my voice. Um, I'm not a pretentious person. I like having fun. I think food and cheese needs to be entertaining. And like the book is almost like a story. Like it's, it's like from one end to the next, there's about 30 pages or so split up in the history of the family business, kind of like what we're talking about, which is very important to me. And then um, kind of like a cheese 101 section, just like, you know, simple guidelines and things like that, right? What to pair and all that, how to cut cheese and simple stuff. Because I didn't want it to be like a textbook. I wanted, I want people to pick up this book and learn something in a fun way. That's my style. I hate pretension with food. Like it's, there, there's no need for it. Um, so that was really the, uh, the tone of the book. It's there's jokes throughout it and, how I'm talking to you is literally how I wrote this book, frankly, like just, you know, uh, off the cuff, very unscripted. Um, and yeah, that, that became a hit. Uh, I'm working on another one. Okay. So I always said to myself, it's a lot of work uh, writing a book. Cause I also have, uh, I also work like 90 hours a week. So <laughs> the find time is very difficult and to test recipes and all that. So, um, they came, the, uh, the, publisher, the publishers came to me about a year and a half ago. And just prior to that, I always said, I'm not writing another book. Like, I'm not writing another book. If I do, it's for my own ego, and I could really care less, okay? I did my job. I wrote my family story. Cheese 101, some fun recipes. I was happy with it. 
And then they approached me and they're like, Afrim, like, we need you to do another book. And, and again, like very rare for this to happen. And I'm blessed, but, and this is at the time that I'm doing the show. Okay. So I was actually filming. I was on the road when, when I had the first like video meeting, I was in, I think I was filming in Greece actually. And I said, fine, I'll do another one. Um, I, I, you know, it's smart for me to do it because of the show and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's stupid of me not to do it. Okay. It's a great opportunity. Like they're paying for it. So it's, you know, it works out. Um, and it's good for the brand, right? It's good for my personal brand. It's good for cheese boutique. So I said, yes. So I'm writing another book currently. It's due out in, I still got time. Uh, October 24. Okay. Uh, um, sorry, October, 2024. Yes. Good. Sorry. So you, got, so, you got some still, time to put it away together. But I do. I haven't started. Don't tell my publisher that, but I haven't started. <laughs> but I will. Like, I, I'll get to it. Um, and that is going to be kind of the second book is going to be loosely revolved around my show. So, so my show, uh, which I know um, you mentioned, is uh, called She's a Love Story. Uh, and it uh, was the first believe it or not, it's weird, but it's the first docu-series Food Network Canada has ever done. Um, they, you know, they don't do shows like this typically, so this was kind of the guinea pig, and, and it was a hit, knock on wood, and we shot six episodes in and out of COVID, mind you, okay? So we started pre-COVID and then stopped filming for seven months and then kind of did it, filmed it when I could, uh, but... It's a big, big production. Like they really like went all out the Food Network, um, and uh, six six one hour episodes. Um, uh, the Ontario, uh, British Columbia, Quebec, France, Greece, and Switzerland are the six episodes. Totally unscripted. It's like a, a cheese focused travel show. So. All those regions are an episode. So if I'm doing the Greek episode, I'm in like five different cities in, in Greece. Like I'm traveling throughout. We shot about uh, 18 days worth in every region. Um, it, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Is that it, it was People have no idea how difficult TV is and a show like that where if I'm not traveling, I got a camera in my face. Like it's, it's very it's, – um, it's just go, 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 and just a, it's a bit hectic. But, I mean, an unbelievable experience. Uh, you know, the Food Network's flying me on their dollar all over the world, like, you know, to eat. Yeah. To eat, and, right? So it's and not like bad. You, like you say, and a really good extension of the brand, both of you, of yeah. the Cheese Boutique, a chance to try. You're clearly a guy who likes to stretch your skills and try something different. You're in the store. Yeah. You're writing. You're on the show. I, I want to know if I, I realize it was just in the last year that the show has been on TV. Have you had any strange experiences where someone's walked up to you and recognized you from your show? Oh God. Oh, you have no idea. Um, I, I, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but like, <laughs> please, please toot times, away. This is your chance. Multiple times a day. Right. Like and the show was a hit across Canada. So it aired uh, oddly enough one year uh, tomorrow, June 9th is the one year anniversary of it airing. Um, and then it ran for six weeks. So right kind of throughout the summer. Um, and then Amazon prime picked it up shortly after that. So it's on Amazon prime now. And then just recently about a month ago, Hulu 
uh, in in the states bought the show, which is massive uh, deal. Um, uh, you know, Hulu's got fifty something million subscribers, and like I'm getting an insane amount of like Instagram comments and emails from like random people in the U.S. saying we want more uh, seasons. Come do one in the U.S. and this whole thing like it's blown up, um, which is great. And uh, we're talking season two. The, the issue, I mean, it's already delayed, but, you know, there's a lot of things happening in Europe, so we're waiting for it to calm down a little bit. Um, because it's a travel show, like, it's, it's like, I'm going with a crew of 10 people, right? So, like, COVID wow. and, and, you know, with the war and things like that, uh, we're waiting for Europe to hopefully just calm down a bit because that's a big part of second season. Um, but, yeah, yeah, all the time, Andrew. Like, it's, like, especially in the store. Like, I, I also work every day, so... People are literally like we have people driving in from Windsor who have never been and wanted to experience it and get a photo with me and buy some cheese. And like, this is the interesting part about the show where, you know, the, like in the show, it's Afrin from Cheese Boutique, right? So people have a chance to come see me whenever they want and they can yeah. just walk in my door. So it was a little odd at the beginning. It was literally like, shaking hands and kissing babies like and and like it got a ton of media like it got a ton of positive reviews and which i'm blessed for but like oh yeah for sure like if i'm in palm springs i get recognized like calgary like even outside of toronto which is i you know great sometimes my wife is like can we just go to a restaurant where nobody knows you because there's also that factor to it um but i you know it's 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 great and 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 and, you know, and, like, maybe the most proud thing for me with doing the show is, so that was a show where I was myself. Just like this, Andrew. Yep. I'm not, it's, it's an unscripted show. Yep. Right? So I know where I'm going, and I know who I'm seeing, and that is it. Like, like a, there's no rehearsal. We shoot something, it's in one take. It's actually, yep. I work best like that. Like, I work best like with no lines and like, like I can't memorize anything. So for me, just plot me in the situation and just tape it. And that's kind of how the show was done. So, and I have an amazing team around me too. Um, the one thing I get, and, I'm, and, and it's kind of what I was saying, I'm, I'm very proud of is the people who do come, uh, I know from the show to my, sh to my show and say, Oh, you know what? You're exactly like you are on TV. And that's actually, I'm happy to hear because that's the fact. I mean, I wasn't trying to be an actor. I wasn't trying to be something I'm not. Um, I'm a guy who sells cheese and and who likes to travel and well, likes to engage with people. So that was that's kind of the concept of the show. That's the best compliment you can get when someone yeah, says you, you're exactly yes. like you are. Yeah, you're true really, to yourself. Really yes, yes. Now on that note, Afram, I have to take advantage of you being such an expert, not only in cheese, but all food. So let me give you a bunch of different things here. My amazing wife, Vicky, is your biggest fan, originally from Montreal, so she always likes the good Montreal talk. She advocated big time for you to be on the Toronto Legends podcast. She loves Cheese Boutique more because of the gourmet foods, but not so much the cheeses because she's lactose intolerant. Okay. What do you say to someone who wants to be a cheese lover but is lactose intolerant? Take the pills and just deal with it? Or no, what no, no, Andrew. Uh, I, you know, 10 years ago, yes. Not now. Okay, so this is, it's very tricky, but people who are lactose intolerant, listen to me because you're going to like this. 
okay? Lactose is just sugar, okay? So lactose is a natural sugar in milk. Cheese is made from milk. With that said, in Holland, okay, the uh, you know the kings of Gouda and Beemster, like iconic cheeses eaten worldwide. Gouda and Beemster, Andrew, are naturally lactose-free. Any Gouda. People have no concept of this. Goudas and Beemsters are lactose-free. As is uh, Gruyere. As is Emmental. Like those classic cheeses, okay? So why they're le- naturally lactose-free is for one reason. It's prior to the cheese-making. Not to get too technical, but lactose is sugar. So the sugar is drained and pulled from the milk before that cheese is made. So making a wheel of Gouda, okay, Andrew, is there's a recipe to it, right? It's just like making, uh, you know, uh, that favorite meal of yours, Andrew, spaghetti and meatballs, whatever. Making spaghetti and meatballs, there's a recipe to it. You can follow a cookbook, there's a recipe. The same is with cheese. Gouda is a recipe. And in the recipe, they say to pull the lactose from the milk. Goudas and Beemsters, Gruyers, Emmentals, okay? Now, those are the four big ones, okay? And you should post this on your site or I don't know if you have, you know, do it. This is a good trick. So there's that. Then there's the case of the further the cheese ages or the longer it ages, aged cheddars, aged uh, uh, pecorinos, aged reggianos, over time, the lactose naturally gets removed kind of in, it's like through science, right? Through this aging process of multiple years from one to 15 years and everything in between. Typically it's like cheeses over two years are all lactose free because of the age during the aging, the lactose gets drained out. So you can tell your wife to come see me next time, and I'll load her up. <laughs> Vicky but is this, now, Vicky's thrilled now, to hear this. Yeah, good. I hope so. But so on that note, go to your cheesemonger and ask them. Like they'll know about lactose-free cheeses because now it's a common thing. Because look, look at it this way: it's also business, Andrew. Absolutely. There's, there's, uh, you know, 15 years ago, there's no such thing as lactose intolerancy. Okay. It's a real, like, new modern thing, all right? Not that it didn't exist, but you know what I mean. It's very common now or much more common now as a dietary restriction. So these cheesemakers in Europe are, like, are losing business because of people being lactose intolerant all of a sudden. So they had to adapt as well. Like, it's all, it, it, as much as cheese is a glorious food to eat, it's also a business, Right. There, where there's supply, there has to be, or where there's, where there's demand, there has to be supply. So for your wife's sake, and for anyone who is uh, a lactose intolerant, I gave you the list of cheeses you can have. You, you should probably have a list that you can't have too. You need to stay away from the fresher, younger, more youthful cheeses. Breeze and camemberts that are aged like 60 days tops, no go for you. Buffalo mozzarella, ricotta, uh, burrata, like younger like young goat cheese things like that i would stay away from okay so the world's not all that bad now that i've given you a few cheeses which you can have that you probably didn't think you could have so absolutely your wife's question that is very good let's move on best best cheese for grilled cheese 
Um, things that melt well, right? So things that high, have um, high melting point, um, like Gruyere, I think is amazing. Uh, like Gruyere's sliced cheddars, sliced goudas, honestly, for me, are the best. And, you know, you can then get different ages and styles of those cheeses. You And another trick is go to your cheesemonger and, you know, try cheese, right? Like taste them now without masks. We can sample again, which thank God. Yeah. That's, that was what Cheese Boutique was born on practically, was sampling. So when you go to your cheesemonger, try a couple of cheeses that they think you'll like, okay? Gruyere, Goudas, Cheddars. Have them slice it for you fairly thin. It's better to use thinner sliced cheeses in your grilled cheese and just use more of them. One thick slice like that is going to take longer to melt. Yep. And you're and your bread will burn before the cheese is melted. So get more thinner slices, okay, more thinner slices, and leave them out at room temperature before you make your grilled cheese. You're writing this down, Andrew, I hope. It's good stuff. Not only am I writing it down, you're changing the way I cook because I am the breakfast guy here. (laughs) I got asked Go ahead. I I was was just going to say I got got a lot more to go to. I got a bunch of small ones here. Bizarre yeah. facts about cheese that you are going to be able to straighten out. The same bacterium is responsible for both smelly cheese and smelly feet. Uh, <laughs> True or false? I, well, I think that's – I okay, I'm not a doctor, okay? So the feet part, I, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure what bacteria it is, but I'm going to go with true because – they smell identical. So I wouldn't see why the bacteria would be different. I have okay. been asked millions of questions and never that answer. That well, was very well done. These are bizarre facts. That I'm going to give good. you bizarre fact number two. Yeah, yeah. Mice don't actually like cheese. They prefer high sugar foods and actually mice avoid dairy. 100% true. I don't know where that came from. I think that's some cartoon or something. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't like cheese. They give them peanut butter or, or you know, something sweet like that, all, like all the live long day. Bizarre fact number three, holes in cheese are not from carbon dioxide released by bacteria, but actually from tiny flecks of hay in the milk. No, that's false. That, it's totally, it's, so it's twofold. You don't have it all there. It's because of the natural like carbon dioxide in the cheese but it's also that's how it starts but how it ends and how those bubbles are created is over the fermentation process so for like a a classic swiss emmental so emmental is a valley okay it's the name of valley it's also the name of the cheese with the holes in it so the big bubbles happen over the aging process but the carbon dioxide a part is also correct, but you need both there. I don't know what, see, see, I know stuff Google doesn't as well when it comes <laughs> well, to cheese. That's, that's why you said that. Well, you're going to like yeah. this one. Bizarre yeah. fact four, the world's most expensive cheese is made with donkey milk. That's true. Yeah. From uh, different parts of um, like the Balkan area. So like uh, Serbia, Montenegro, Albania, where I'm from, Croatia, like that part where, you know, donkeys are 
you know, the source of everything and, you know, how you get around was with a donkey and people have donkey farms um, more than horses. Uh, so, and don- donkeys produce an extremely like small amount of milk, extremely. So, I mean, that's why it's expensive. Now, with that said, Andrew, it does it taste like who knows what? No, absolutely not. It's kind of like um, it's become like a very gimmicky thing, to be perfectly honest. But you know what? I, I kind of like that. As cheesy as it is, you know, it's allowed to be cheesy. It's cheese. So, yes. um, but that's kind of the story there. It is very expensive. Urban legend or the truth? In your cheese boutique aging room is a 10-foot-high, 1,000-pound aged provolone, which is basically a punching bag-sized torpedo of cheese. Apparently, this is on reserve for the Toronto Maple Leafs to eat when, not if, when they win the Stanley Cup. Is that an urban myth or is that true? So, no, it's true. However, that is 100% true, every, every fact. However, we couldn't wait any longer for the Leafs to win. So this past November, we cut that bad boy. Yes. So we cut that 10-foot-long provolone. It was 15 years. We had this whole, like, media thing at Real Sports Bar, the bar just outside of Jurassic Park downtown at Scotiabank Arena. And uh, it was the chef and I. We had this, like, think about it. It was, like, took 20 people to move this thing. We created, like, a dolly system to get it onto the truck. Like, this could hurt people. Right. Like this thing is 10 foot long, a thousand pounds. It will crush a human. And we had this whole like procedure. It was like two days of planning more, three days of planning to like get, get this thing from my store to the loading dock at real sports. And then into the dining room where I cut it in front of like the biggest Toronto media, like, like ensemble I've ever seen in my life. And I'm sitting there cutting it with two small knives, like traditional old school, it was that that was like the cheese shot hurt around heard around the world. Like that was a big deal because it's one of the oldest cheeses on the planet. It doesn't exist anymore. It's never going to be made ever again. And it's now officially all gone. So I created, uh, I want to say four or five recipes that were sold like of dishes, mac and cheese, a grilled cheese, a pasta, a bunch of things, Tr- uh, truffle fries with the grated like provolone is amazing. And, 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 during the rest of the year, they, they sold these items in like all their different like food uh, restaurants. And, uh, and we also have um, the mac and cheese boutique. So it's a mac and cheese stall at Scotiabank Arena. Like it's, it's my stall. So we like pumped out so much out of there too. And remember, like d- during a game, you're feeding thousands of people. So as much cheese as it, as it was, it went pretty quickly actually. Well, I, I'm excited to hear the project came to fruition. I'm not excited that we awesome. didn't get to enjoy it with the cup. <laughs> no. But like you, yeah. like you, we're, we've been waiting our lifetime for this. It's got to come eventually. Yeah. After my brother was way ahead of the curve. Lawrence was the first to show me halloumi on the barbecue. Yeah. But I want to impress him. What is something I can put on the barbecue today that's leading edge in the cheese family? So I'll tell you, you should... Surprise him with doing halloumi in a cast iron pan on your stove. I actually find it's better because you get that cast iron like stupid hot, like just like blazing hot. And you cut the halloumi into like finger thick, like two finger thick pieces. 
pieces, okay? So it's like wide like or tall like that and wide like that. St- very hot pan, and you just gently rub each side of the halloumi with a touch of olive oil and right into the pan for about a minute on each side. When you do this, Andrew, that that olive oil, the heat, and the cheese make this beautiful, like, golden brown caramelization. So it's a minute on each side. It's better, I think, it's better than grilling on the barbecue. I, yeah. Because in a barbecue, you, you don't have controlled heat, okay? You're opening the thing, the heat gets out, like, you don't have controlled heat. You will never get that caramelization on a barbecue. You won't. You'll get grill marks, which is nice, too. But halloumi, when cooked properly, should taste like salty, like squeaky cheese curds because it's goat and sheep's milk. It's got this like like wicked saltiness and like ocean water, like saline kind of quality on a cast iron pan. Do I it. love it. I'm doing it. Lawrence, you, you're, when you come over, I'm going to have it ready. Afram, you are a big fan of food, but you're also a big fan of Toronto. Why don't you tell us a few of your favorite Toronto places to eat? when you get outside of your store and are able to enjoy yourself? Okay. So Andrew, I always have to be diplomatic when I, when I answer this question, because I have a lot of friends in the industry and I I have a lot of favorite places and I supply all the good ones too. So, um, give give me a few, maybe hidden gems. I love them all. Yeah. Yeah. To get a little down and dirty. Okay. I love, uh, I think the best Italian food in the city is at Giulietta on, on college is like Rob Rossi is a very good friend of mine, but his food is just like very classic with like an perfect modern spin. They use the best ingredients like in the world. I know that for a fact. I love Giulietta. Um, I love, what's um, oh, a tough one. I love um, Bar Vendetta. So for like a very like, quick, easy, like salad and pasta. Bar Vendetta's on Dundas Street. Jen Egg is the owner. I love it there. It's just casual and uh, amazing value. I think it's some of the best valued food in Toronto. Bar Vendetta for sure. Um, I love also um, Harry's Steakhouse. Like if I want a steakhouse, I like Harry's Steakhouse in Etobicoke, kind of in my neck of the woods where – um, you know, the owner of Barbarians, the iconic Barbarian Steakhouse downtown, opened up this place in the in the West End on Bloor Street. Bloor and Royal York is awesome. Like, just like classic, like, steakhouse sides and, like, just charcoal grilled steaks. Just perfect. Old school. Like, I love it. Um, and uh, what else? I where you, like... Where do you go for bacon and eggs, Afrim? I never eat breakfast. Never. Okay. Oh. It's not... <laughs> We're not going to get a good greasy spoon from Afrim today. Uh, no, no, I don't. Don't take offense to it. I just, I'm not a big breakfast guy, honestly, because I'm working. Like I work every morning, so I'm. I don't like putting food in my stomach before like 2 p.m. As weird as it sounds, and I don't drink much coffee. I'm just kind of high on energy and I'm focused during the day. But I don't love huge breakfast. I'm trying to think of a couple. Oh, I love um, uh, the Phoenix. So the Phoenix is on Queen Street, right in the heart of Parkdale. Uh, French, but like uh, simple, approachable French, but like classic, like steak-free, like a duck leg confit, steak tartare. It's, it has an awesome patio. So good. Oh, and I'll leave you with Viaggio. And these are kind of places like Giulietta is 
I think one of the best restaurants in the city, but some of these other places I'm mentioning are like, they don't get a lot of fanfare, but they're fantastic. Uh, Viaggio is on, uh, what is that? It's on Bloor. No, Lansdowne and Dundas. Sorry, Lansdowne and Dundas on the south side. One of the coolest patios uh, in the city. And it's like big, hearty Italian. So like amazing pizzas. They're famous for their tiramisu pancakes. I don't like dessert. I don't like dessert. Like I don't like breakfast. Okay. But like this dessert is one of the best in Toronto. They do tiramisu pancakes. They're amazing. Those are excellent. Akram. Those are very Okay. Good. One more. One yeah, more. Please go. Bar Isabel. Okay. Bar Isabel is on college, Spanish, like tapas joint. When you have a group of friends from out of the city, Bar Isabel is a great place to take them because like it's an institution. It's been there 10 years. Uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, Michelin stars are coming. I think they're actually going to get a Michelin star and they de- they're deserving of one, but like, it's just a approachable place. And you don't see a lot of Spanish places in Toronto, actually more Portuguese places than there are Spanish almost, but like bars of L's, it's one of those, like you never be or, or you never get disappointed. I like it. Now, aside from food, in your city of Toronto, where do you like to go? What do you like to do? Is there a place you like to go, ride your bike, take a walk? Any hidden gems? Maybe, I guess, in the West End where you're based at? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have, my wife and I, we have a massive uh, Newfoundlander dog. Um, so her name's Simone. She's 130 pounds. So, and she loves the water, right? Like Newfoundlander or, or Newfoundlanders are, do- are, are water dogs. So, we can walk to the lake. It takes about 10 minutes. So we take her down to the lake, just kind of a Humber Bay or Humber Bay bridge, but just a little West of it, just down on the, on the beach. We love going down there and taking her for walks and letting her jump in the water down there. And I also lived down there for like a decade, many years ago. So I love that kind of part of Lakeshore. I think it's like, you can get, you know, take your loved one, make yourself a picnic, get a bottle of wine, I don't know if you can drink in parks. I don't know. Bring in the wine anyway. And like go out to like a secluded area and like just you'll stumble upon it and it'll have the best view of downtown Toronto. Like so many like little hidden nooks down there. It's not too crazy. I love it there. Um, I love, uh, you know, now, now that we can, I love going to see movies. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a big uh, VIP at Queensway is like the only way I can go see a movie. That's how bougie I am now. But, like, I need to be able to eat and, like, have a vodka soda and watch, you know, Top Gun, which I saw last week, which was amazing. And, like, I'm a big Marvel guy. So, like, for me, I go every opening night when the newest Marvel movie comes out. Um, So, yeah, I I like going to see movies and um, eating out a lot, to be perfectly honest. I mean, that's kind of like a night out. Um, So, you know, all those places I mentioned, I love going there. Love going to Lakeshore. That's pretty good, I think. It's fabulous. I, yeah, I, I work a lot, right, Andrew? So, like, for me, it's um, I want to spend my time with the people I love and the places I like to go. Very well said. And now that things yeah. are opening up, we can finally do it again. Talk about the changes in your neighborhood. On Ripley, you actually have multiple properties you're involved with. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you're a tenant or you own them, but I can imagine the changes in that neighborhood have been dramatic yeah. over the last few years. Yeah, so, so we've been a on the street uh, since 96 in one form or another, whether it was just a warehouse or whatever. And then we opened the big store at 2000. So we own um, 
five spaces. So the building across the street from us, there's Hooked Seafood, one of the best seafood shops. So they lease the space from us. And uh, I know the owners very well. And we didn't handle fish, obviously. And they approached us and said, like, can we work with you together? And I said, and I pointed it. We were on the street and I pointed across. I'm like, do you want that space right there? And they didn't say, like, they didn't think twice. And they're doing very well. So they took, like, the first 1,500 square foot of that building. It's very long. And then the other half is our where we do a lot of our wholesale orders. Okay? So there's those two spaces. Then our where I'm sitting right now <laughs> is above my bakery. Um, so our it's called the, the Cheese Boutique Bo- uh, Bottega, which we just expanded last week, Andrew. So it's now a 3,000-square-foot, this kind of multi-concept store. So we sell giftware, all our baked goods, uh, croissants, bagels, coffee bar, gelato, sandwiches, all that stuff. So it's a brand-new store that we've built. Um, and then across the street from that, we have two big warehouse spaces. N- nothing pretty, like the back-end stuff, right? But, like, they're massive, two, two big warehouse spaces. And more is coming. More is coming, and we want to build a flower store. We want to have um, one or two food concepts, like restaurant cafe concepts. Whether we do it or, or get a partner of ours to do it, there's things happening. There's things, there's wheels in motion. There are clearly wheels in motion. What I want to know is how do you resist? I'm imagining some developer has shown up with a big check and said, listen, we're changing the neighborhood. We want to, we want to do this and that. How do you resist that kind of uh, temptation? Um, Well, well beyond, I mean, just it's happened many times, but we also get asked, I'm not kidding you, Andrew, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, uh, as from developers, hey, we have a place in Newmarket where Cheese Boutique would be perfect. We have a place in Hamilton, Niagara, downtown Toronto, the new well project, the waterworks, like every day. And, uh, you know, we're not greedy, one. Uh, and it's just too much. I mean, uh, I, you know, I don't want to replicate Cheese Boutique. I want to make one really great. And, and we want to just keep moving it forward. And our growth is on Ripley Avenue and nowhere else for now. But, like, I, I'm very happy with it because at one point, Andrew, I need to use my brain. People think another store is more more business. And, and to me, it's more headaches. So uh, I don't want to split up my staff. I don't want to split up the family in multiple locations. But at the same time, I need to move forward. So this was our growth and our mindset was just grow and grow our offerings on Ripley Avenue. If they're coming for the cheese, let's offer them everything we can. I might put a dog grooming place here, a beauty salon. Like, I'm not kidding. I just want more attractions on the street. Well, it really has become an empire over there and you got so much going on. You got this book, as you've told us about, you always clearly have new ideas for the, the, for the space that you're in on Ripley. Where can we follow you, Afram? Everything you're working on, everything at the store, what are the best ways people can keep in touch with you? Yeah, we have a brand new fancy schmancy website that we've worked on for three years. So uh, our website's like great and um, constantly like developing and we're building our online store as well. And we're selling like online experiences like our 
uh, store tours and like private tastings with me and like a whole bunch of stuff, virtual classes, all that. Um, and then we're I'm fairly active on social media. So uh, what's my handle? Uh, at Afrin Pristine, I'm pretty sure, uh, for Twitter and Instagram. And then at Cheese Boutique for Twitter and Instagram as well. And, and you know, on social media, it's a great venue to, you know, let people know what you're doing very quickly. It's, that doesn't cost anything. So we're, we're very active. And, um, yeah, I think those are kind of the best ways. And Or, you know, watch my show too. If you like food, I'm not even like – I never pump up my show. But, like, it, it's – um people like it. So, uh, you know, watch it. If you're will, out there, watch it. It's pretty We fun. will watch it. And we will uh, come to Cheese Boutique and continue. You always it. got something new going on. Afram, I want to thank you for your time. It's been great to have you. Do you see these dark circles here, Andrew? They don't go anywhere. They're pretty permanent. Well, you're a good inspiration. Work hard yeah, and I have fun. It. So thank you I for being it. here. And to the listener, I want to hey, thank this you. Is great. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. And on behalf of Afrim Pristine, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.